put my money in my hand. In my hand. Uh, ever since I can remember, I've been popping my collar. Popping, popping my collar. Popping, popping my collar. Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. It is a Monday edition of the show. We are back in Tampa, Florida after spending the last couple of days in Indianapolis for the NFL Combine. It's a Monday edition. That means we're going to have roll call later on the show today and hope everybody had a great weekend because we have a lot to get into on this Monday between Offensive draft prospects from the NFL Combine that we spoke to, that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers spoke to. We'll see who's on their radar for the draft coming up at the end of April. And a lot of news in the NFC South, particularly at the quarterback position, how that's going to affect the Bucs, how that's going to impact who's the leader in that division. A lot to talk about. I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joined with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com. It is SR Scott Reynolds and Scott. We had a great week in Indianapolis. I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Uh, we were up early every morning and we worked hard and did it all over again. So are you recovered from <laughs> all the travel and the hustle and bustle? Yeah, I am. And I w- want to take this opportunity to uh, wish you, Matt, a very happy birthday. The big 3-0 today. So happy birthday, Matt Matera. Want everybody in the chat to wish Matt Matera happy birthday. We're going to do roll call at uh, at 420. Uh, well, thank you very much. Monday, but, Appreciate it. It means a lot. Yeah. Uh, you gave me a shout out earlier on Twitter. So thank you for that. Uh, Absolutely. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you. And, uh, you know, we're, we're excited to to really, I think, maybe on your birthday, probably have, actually take probably out of it. We, we will have the best report podcast we've ever done in honor of you today, Matt. So it's, uh, it's awesome. So That would be yeah. great. And you know, it's awesome to start the show. I don't mean to cut you off, yeah, but we're yeah. not even two minutes into the show, and we did get a super Boom. chat from Bucks Basement. So if you super chat us, you get to cut the line. We're the bouncers, but you're now in the VIP, <laughs> Bucks right. Basement. Thank you for the $5 super chat. Bucks Basement says, I'd rather suck with a quarterback we are paying nothing than pay $100 million guaranteed for a quarterback to go one and done in the playoffs saints are delusional yeah so that was the big story today we'll just jump right into it appreciate yep. everybody uh saying happy birthday in the comments we'll put that up in a little bit as well um so that was the big news i believe mike garofolo from nfl network was on at first ian Rappaport, of course always in the mix um the new orleans saints are signing Derek carr yeah. to a four-year 150 million dollar deal and that's essentially 70 million guaranteed yeah that's and, nuts, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, Scott, I want to get your initial reaction, but I, I'll just start real quick. I've long said whoever has the best quarterback in the NFC South, and no one's mistaking Derek Carr for right. you know Aaron Rodgers if he decides to play Patrick Mahomes, you know some of the stars in today's league. But I think that puts the Saints at least as the leader in terms of best quarterback in the division. I think right now it does. Certainly, the most proven and most experienced. Whether he is the best, well, we'll see. Uh, you know, and, and I say this um, maybe with with a little bit of um, what's the right word? Um, I guess um, a, a little bit of sugar coating, maybe for the Buccaneer fans out there. Yeah. You know, nobody thought Geno Smith was going to amount to anything this year in Seattle. Right. I mean, when, when they traded Russell Wilson, it was like, what's Seattle going to do now? They're going to draft a quarterback. 
They're going to have to. They have Geno Smith as their quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> they just traded away Russell Wilson, the perennial Pro Bowl guy. And the Seahawks didn't flinch, Matt. Instead, they stuck with with Geno Smith, who had been developing in that, that uh, quarterback-friendly system that, that the Seattle Seahawks have and that Dave Canales is supposedly bringing to Tampa. And, you know, Geno Smith, I mean, he, he wound up as, as the, you know, the, the MVP, I, I think of, of the, uh, or I shouldn't say the MVP. He was the comeback player of the year. He's a pro bowler and, you know, Canales had a lot to do with that. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see if Derek Carr is in fact the best quarterback if, or if it's going to be Kyle Trask or somebody that the Buccaneers sign, yeah. or if it's going to be Desmond Ritter in Atlanta or, someone else that they draft or sign, or if Carolina is going to go all in on a quarterback, which it looks like they're going to. And if that's going to be a trade up for CJ Stroud or Bryce Young or drafting Anthony Richardson, we'll have to wait and see. But I agree with with your premise, Matt, the best quarterback in the South will probably end up leading his team to the NFC South title. That was the case last year, right? Tom Brady, but We'll see. I, I think, you know, not to jump the gun and not to necessarily start a Trask train, but I, I think you and I, after we heard several of Trask's former teammates, Richard Garosh, uh, if that's how you pronounce it, um, I'm sorry if I butchered his name, Justin Shorter, former Gators wide receiver, even Anthony Richardson himself had nothing but high praise for Kyle Trask, who it did take a couple years for him to start, Matt, but at the same time, he wound up leading the SEC during his final year there and what threw for 4,300 yards, 43 touchdowns, something like that, over 40 touchdowns. Yeah. And, and really, you know, turned into that that draft prospect. So we'll wait and see. I, I'm I'm probably a little warmer on Trask now than I've ever been coming out of the combine and hearing all of the the praise from Bulls, from Light, from Anthony Richardson, from Shorter, and from some of his former teammates. What say you, Matt, about Kyle Trask? Yeah, there are a couple of ways to look at it. And, you know, when you talk to these combines at, at up at the podium, they're not always going to, you know, they're essentially doing a job interview. So they're not right. really going to try to rock the boat too much. You know, if they didn't think very highly of Kyle Trask, I think they'd probably just say, Oh, it's great that he's in the league. Like, I wish him well. Yeah, you know, exactly. I don't think they'd be like, yeah, you know what? He was kind of a crappy guy. And I didn't like right. being around him. They're not really going to say that. But a couple of the guys that we spoke to, it legitimately felt like they were genuine in talking about the leadership that Kyle Trask brought right. to uh, the Florida Gators. And it's so funny because, you know, Trask is going into his third year. We're talking about Florida players that have played with Anthony Richardson and not Kyle Trask as much. But in their early years with Kyle Trask, when a lot of these guys weren't even like full-time starters then, because usually, you know, sophomores and juniors and seniors sometimes get more of the the playing time. But um, Garage, especially the offensive lineman, had some really great things to say about the work ethic of Kyle Trask. And yeah. I think at the end of the day, all roads kind of point back to offensive coordinator Dave Canales. For everything you said about Geno Smith, but I think just the fact that it's a super quarterback-friendly offense. And right. Canales talked about that when he was the one year at USC. He talked about the just the offense. Quarterbacks would come in and come out, and he rattled off a number of names, and they were all successful. Uh, the Rams, whether it was Jared Goff or then Matthew Stafford coming in, you know, one of his coaches came from the Rams system, so he has a little bit of that in his offensive repertoire. Um, he's not going to make Kyle Trask save the day for the Bucks offense. 
He wants him to be a point guard, as he talked about. So Kyle's going to get rid of that ball very quickly, and I think overall that's going to help him in his growth and yeah. development. And at the end of the day, yes, looking right now on March 6th, you would say the Saints are the leaders when it comes to the, having the top quarterback. But I Yeah, I think that's fair to say. It's who plays the best. It doesn't right. who's better right now. On paper, it's a bunch of crap. It's just a piece of paper. you got to go out and prove it. Kyle Trask could play better than Derek Carr this year. Desmond Redder could be could play better than both of them. Right. It's about who plays better that will ultimately decide it. No, I, I think you're right. And uh, but this is big news. It's it's uh, it certainly uh, makes the Saints more formidable, right? I mean, the Bucks swept the Saints last year, and and I think that's something that that uh, you know you have to take into consideration when you look at at these teams and. Again, we have free agency ahead of us, the draft ahead of us. These rosters are not set yet. It's a little too early to say who's going to win, but you have to maybe bump the Saints up a little bit. Uh, or, or do you? You know, it's interesting. Our colleague Greg Allman from Fox Sports, he actually tweeted out some pretty interesting statistics about Derek Carr and about the, the Saints. And uh, let me pull those up here. I thought it was a, a pretty um interesting tweet here and it reads where is it in the meantime we do have a five dollar super chat from yeah uh, go ahead and get the super chat i had it pulled up and i gotta find it again yeah take your time uh thank you so much for the super chat kgh for life uh for the five dollars saints have been pushing money into the future for years with no results not worried one at all so you kind of look at the Saints and, you know, maybe their defense isn't as great as it was yeah. one or two seasons ago. But, yeah, the big question for them really was the quarterback position. Right. They didn't really get enough from Andy Dalton. They really didn't hurt as well. When it comes to playing New Orleans, at least for me, yeah, it, sure, getting Carr is great. But what about everything else around the offense right. you know you have yeah. chris olave and he's a very talented and exciting up-and-coming wide receiver who did pretty well last season right but outside of that michael thomas flashing the pan at this point yeah. and he's costing them a lot of money too it Slant is crazy boy. how the saints have like maneuvered the uh the cap the way they've done because yeah. they've been in worse cap situations previously than the bucks and the bucks are sure. a tough one right now um but i don't really know who they're going to throw to Alvin Kamara obviously is having some issues off the field for an incident that happened a couple of months ago, I believe, at the the Pro Bowl. So, yeah, you might have one quarterback, but if you don't have weapons and other things around you, you're still going to be in flux. And that's kind of how I see the Saints, at least on the offensive side of the ball. I found the tweet, and this was kind of astonishing. And, again, leave it to Greg Allman to come up with something like this. Greg is (laughs) – He's the almanac, right? He is. Uh, so the, uh, just follow along with me here. The Saints team, right, and that includes quarterbacks Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, uh, uh, Taysom Hill, whoever threw a pass for the Saints last year. The 22 Saints team passing stats, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. Derek Carr's passing touchdowns and interceptions last year in Las Vegas, 24 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, exactly the same, okay? that's This is, again, Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, and Taysom Hill combined had the exact same number of touchdowns and interceptions Derek Carr had for the Raiders. Then you look at the Saints' passing yardage, 3,969 passing yards, just under 4,000. And the Saints' quarterbacks collectively, again, Hill, Jameis, 
and, and Andy Dalton completed a combined 66% of their passes. Derek Carr only played in 15 games last year, but if you were to prorate his totals to 17 games, he would throw for 3,991 yards. That is about 30 yards more than the Saints quarterbacks threw for collectively last year. Mm. And Carr's percentage was 61% compared to the 66% completion percentage that Andy Dalton, Jameis Winston, and Taysom Hill combined for. So what are the Saints getting for $100 million? It makes you wonder, right? I mean, the touchdowns, the interceptions were exactly the same. Then you look at the passing yardage, it was just about dead on when you prorate those other two games that the car missed because he was benched at the end of the season when they wanted to trade him. And then the completion percentage wasn't even as good. So they're, they're paying Derek Carr for the potential of him being better than he was last year. Now here's what has to concern you if you're a Saints fan and maybe make you wonder if you're a Buccaneer fan about Derek Carr, Matt, is when you look at the fact that when Derek Carr signed that contract extension, he did so the way it was structured it was a one-year kind of prove-it deal where he put he bet mm-hmm. on himself. Yep. It didn't go so well. Despite having Devontae Adams, his college receiver, you know, Pro Bowl guy, one of the best receivers in the league, top three, getting acquired in a trade from Green Bay. So he had Devontae Adams to throw the ball to, a Pro Bowl tight end in Darren Waller, who was injured a little bit last year for sure, a, a Pro Bowl running back in Josh Jacobs. Uh, a pretty damn good wide receiver in the slot in Hunter Renfro, and then an, another pass-catching back out of the league in Kenyon Drake. So is Derek Carr going to have better or worse talent around him in New Orleans? Probably a little worse, right? I mean, Alvin Kamara yeah, is kind of, I, I think, on, on the downward slope, and I think the best years of his career are behind him. Plus, as you mentioned, Matt, he's going to be in some legal issues that might cost him this season or parts of it. So if Derek Carr only did that with a greater supporting cast, I'm not sure that he's going to be better automatically in New Orleans. And I feel like when the the Saints were winning games, whether it was with Jameis Winston, whether it was uh, with Andy Dalton, and they didn't win a lot of games. They haven't been to the playoffs uh, in a couple of seasons. They were truly all about, you know, taking care of the football and taking advantage of other teams turning the ball over. Like when James was starting there, he was very neutered. You know, he wasn't throwing all the interceptions except for the Bucs game last season because they wanted to run the ball. They wanted to, you know, play the field position game. And I don't know if the Saints can really do that now with Derek Carr. He has a lot of interceptions um, as of late. And, yeah, things did not work out with the Raiders, all right? He's right. only available because the Raiders wanted to go in another direction. You know, they've lost a lot of money by, by uh, you know, getting rid of him. And you right. know, good for Carr for getting that money. But I agree with um, – I just put it up before. I agree with what Chris Cole said, that $150 million is too much. Now, it's really tough to grade the market these days because the best of the best get these elite mega contracts, and a lot of them deserve it. So it's right. tough when you get a quarterback that – at this point, Derek Carr just has hype around him because yeah. he's the best available. He's the sexiest on the market right now. If he was in a free agent class with, I don't know, 
maybe 10 other quarterbacks that were available. If Derek Carr was in the free agent class a couple of years ago when right. it was Phillip Rivers and Tom Brady, no one would really be talking about Carr right now. But That's he's right. the only guy that really was available. And credit to him, again, for benefiting from that. Yeah. And it's tough for the Saints who – Really, for any offense, if your running back is like your main guy and that's all you kind of function with, odds are you don't have the most stable type of offense, which kind of brings me to the super chat from Bucks Basement. Yeah. Thank you for the $2 super chat. We're becoming a run first team. Can we get Henry? So there were, sorry, there were reports today that yeah. uh, Derrick Henry is going to be shopped by the Tennessee Titans as they right. essentially get into a rebuild mode. Uh, Derrick Henry, I believe, is 29 years old. He's definitely been in the league for a little while now. Right. I haven't looked at his contract at the moment, but I don't think the Bucs are in the running at all, and nor no. do I do think <laughs> that they should be because they got a really right. damn good guy in Rashad White. And, Scott, the way that we heard things and, and talked to players at the Senior Bowl, uh, at the senior yep. bowl we were at the Senior Bowl, but the NFL Combine, yep. it doesn't – really sound like the Bucs are going to be looking at a running back early. It feels a lot yeah. like it's going to be a day two, a day three type of situation at the running back position. And you know what? That's how they should really address it this year. Yeah, I think so, because they already have a pair of third round draft picks invested in Rashad White, and who is now number one, right? He yep. took on the New Jersey number. And right now he's the de facto number one. He's he's the lead back in Tampa Bay. Um from what I have gleaned from my sources and just kind of looking at the landscape at who they interviewed at the combine, all roads point to Rashad White, number one, Keyshawn Vaughn, who actually in limited duty showed like he was a much better player than the year prior. And I think that he is going to be in a battle with whoever they draft for the number two spot and the loser of that battle ends up being number three. And then they'll go get an undrafted free agent and have that player um, maybe, you know, Lou Nichols out of uh, say central Michigan, right. Who, yeah. who actually led the league in rushing, led college football in rushing two years ago, then got hurt and, and uh, you know, had kind of a fall off year this past year, but this year's running back class, Matt, it's so deep mm -hmm. and there's only one ball, right? So, is not a, not every team needs a running back, and I think you're you're going to see draftable players fall through the cracks and be undrafted free agents. I like for the Buccaneers to come away with two rookie running backs. One will be a day three draft pick, more than likely. The other will be an undrafted free agent, and then those two players plus Keyshawn Vaughn plus Rashad White. It'll be young backfield, but I I think that's that's how it's going to go. It's going to be young and cheap in the backfield, but I I got a feeling that's how the backfield is going to play out. And I think that's why you saw at the NFL Combine, the Bucs had only one formal interview with a running back, and that was uh, Jameer Gibbs out of Alabama. Right. I don't think it's a surprise that not many running backs were in meetings um, with Tampa Bay. We have another super chat. Bucks Baseman, you are uh, you are spreading that dough out today. I appreciate it. Uh, Bucks Baseman says, rather trade Devin White, talking about the linebacker, rather trade Devin White than overpay him for mediocrity. Scott, this has been a very, very hot-button issue for Tampa is. Bay Buccaneers fans. I think we should dive into this. Uh, yep. But I think we should also get into something that we typically do at 420. Let's We're do a minute it. late, but that's all right. It is Roll Call! Tell us where you're at, pewter people. We have fans from all over 
the globe, not just Tampa, not just the United States, but international as well. We love our pewter people. We love the pewter report fans. And uh, this is just a fun way to interact with, uh, with everyone in the chat right now. Uh, we'll start talking about this Devin white issue or not issue, just really topic. And while yeah. we're doing that, please put your location of where you are watching the show from in the comments as rich jr has already started with um, Hamosa, Florida. See Nathan with Bradenton. We got Frederick from Sweden. So you guys get the point. We'll there start we putting that up on the comments right. as we get into uh, the Devin White situation because he's got a big year coming up for he does. more than one reason, Scott. Yeah. I'm going to uh, go into this little rant about uh, Devin White. Uh, he did. I put up a story on pewterreport.com. And Matt, I'll let you put up the the pewter people and, and where they're, they're, uh, they're chiming in from today. So Devin White put up kind of a little bit of a cryptic post today on social media, and it probably is uh, a lot to do about nothing at the end of the day. Uh, Ari Marov uh, posted three of the screenshots, and one of the screenshots that Devin White had on his Instagram story said, uh, thank you, Buccaneers, with the pirate flag instead of the Buccaneers, and then uh, a peace sign. And that could maybe be interpreted as a peace out, Bucks. But uh, it probably was his literal way of saying, thank you, Bucks. And a second screenshot is a picture of a sign uh, that says, God isn't asking you to figure it out. He's asking you to trust that he already has. And underneath that sign is a caption that reads, next stop with a checkered flag. Um, was that Devin White insinuating that he might be on his way out of town via trade? Or does he want to leave because the Bucks? Maybe aren't the Super Bowl contenders they used to be? Yeah, probably not. And then the third screenshot that was in in the the post was a screenshot where it said it was a picture of Devin White in his all pewter bucks uniform. Four year went by fast, and at the end of the day, you know, is he angling for a contract extension right now? Uh, maybe. I will say I probed some people at One Buck Place. They didn't really have much to say about it. They really didn't know what any of it meant. But uh, what I do know is, is Devin White is happy to be in Tampa. Matter of fact, he had some follow-up posts after those. And he says, reflecting on how fast my first four years went by, definitely a thanks to Bucks fans, good and mean ones, laugh out loud. The upside is scary. And, and then he said, next year, we're going to rock out even harder. I promise you, get live, 45, go Bucks. And, of course, Go is spelled G-E-A-U-X because he is from Louisiana, Cajun country. So I don't think uh, Devin White is going to get traded by any means. Uh, as long as Todd Bowles is here in Tampa, you are going to see Devin White in Tampa. That is his guy. Again, right or wrong, mm -hmm. uh, like I said on last week's podcasts, forget it was Monday or Tuesday, but just like – Byron Leftwich was Bruce Arians' blind spot. Devin White is the is the blind spot for Todd Bowles. Devin White can do no wrong in Todd Bowles' eyes. So you're going to see Devin White either play out his fifth year, which he'll make over $11 million this year, or if the Bucks want some of that cap room, they can lower his cap value and sign into a contract extension. Matt, that's something that the Buccaneers have done early. Remember, Vita Vea was given a fifth-year contract mm -hmm. Uh, um, uh, fifth year option it was picked up for Vita Vea, but never really even played on it because before they got to that, the Bucks and Vea did a contract extension. So we could see something like that 
from Devin White this offseason if the team needs some cap room and doesn't want to have all of that $11 million from his fifth-year option take up that much cap space this year. It's a really, really tough line to walk because, again, because of the Levante David situation. of Levant, If Levante's not back, what does that mean for the linebacker room? You really do need Devin White. And he's on a contract, yeah. so he's not going anywhere. But $11 million, it's, you know, it's not like he's getting paid pennies this year right. uh, in his fifth-year extension. Yeah. Why I think it's tough to extend him earlier like they've done with other players such as Vita Vea, because what if Levante isn't there next year? Right. We've In small sample sizes, when Levante has been hurt, hurt but for a full season we haven't seen what Devin White looks like at the NFL level right. on his own without having the big brother the mentor there to help him out I think this is a big prove it year for Devin White obviously but I think why this is maximized 10 times more is not even for next season with Devin White but you're going to have to give contract extensions or you're going to want to give contract extensions to Tristan Wirfs Obviously, no brainer. They want right. him to be there for his whole career. And Antoine Winfield, Antoine Winfield Jr. as well. Um, he's another one that I think yeah. has deserved to get a second contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you include Devin White into the list. That's a lot of money going to the defensive side of the ball. And you're going to have to, you know, that's why Jamel Dean's not going to be back this year. That's why, you know, the Bucs are going to get younger at a lot of positions. Yes, because they want to, but also because they have to. Because yeah. you can only pay so many guys. You got to keep building your team, even the great teams. You got to keep building through the draft because you can't keep everybody when it comes time for the second contract. So while it's important to bring back Devin or at least have a linebacker ready to go for the following season, I think Tristan Wirfs and Antoine Winfield Jr. is kind of what hurts Devin more than anything else in this whole process. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. And at the same time, too, Devin White has the ability, right? He's He's got the physical tools and the athleticism to really be an elite linebacker. There's a reason why that, you know, he was drafted fifth overall. There's a reason why he made the Pro Bowl, uh, not this past year, but the year before. And it probably was kind of on the coattails of that really impressive postseason, that Super Bowl run the Bucks had in 2020. But this guy has flashed. I mean, he he has legitimate physical tools. He's still very young. He's under the age of, of 20, uh, I think he's, what, 23 now, 22? So it, there's still a lot of, of growth potential that he has. And he's in a contract year, so why not let him play it out and, and, uh, you know, and make sure that he has all the incentive in the world to really have a big year this year? And uh, at the same time, like I said, it's going to be a situation where uh, Todd Bowles is going to want Devin White to be in Tampa Bay. So if it is a foregone conclusion, uh, one thing that might hold up that is is uh, what is what is Devin White's market value going to be? Does he want to bet on himself and the fact that he might have a monster year and maybe shoot yeah. for $25 million a year, Matt, rather than not just settling for a little over 20 like Roquan Smith got? We'll have mm -hmm. to see. And for those saying that, like, Devin White should be traded, I don't really see that happening, again, because the Bucs are in a spot where they can still win the NFC South, and they're going yeah. to need all hands on deck. And Devin White, he's a team leader. He's a captain, as you see the C on his jersey. Yeah. He's still important to this team, whether you like it or not. He needs to get better. I think we all understand that. Yeah, uh, He needs to have his best season as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Right. But if you trade Devin White, obviously you'll see what you would get in return. 
Yeah. But then you're looking at a huge hole at inside linebacker that is almost unplayable. So yeah. I just I don't see Devin White going anywhere. I don't either, especially with the fact that Levante David is not a, a given or a lock that he's going to return. So replacing one of your two linebackers is hard enough, but replacing both of them, that's that's just about catastrophic to to Devin White's, uh, or I should say, to Ty Bowles' defense. Uh, you you know mentioned, Devin White, oh, sorry. I was, was going to say, you know yeah. where, where Devin White should be going? Where's that? Uh, to his local bodega to check bodega. out the new flavors of Celsius. Uh, check out. The fantasy vibe, it's like having a creamsicle, and the Bucks will be wearing the creamsicle jerseys this That's year. Right. Maybe you saw Todd Bowles rocking Bucko Bruce at the NFL Combine, which is really cool. And, of course, there's the sparkling lemon lime as well, one of my favorite new flavors of Celsius. Um, seven essential vitamins. You don't get that post-energy drink crash or jitters that you might get with um, some other products. Make sure you go to the store locator. We used it when we were in Indianapolis, we and we went to our local bodega. At this bodega. This situation, it was a, a CVS, a convenience store. Yep. And you can punch in your address, find out where to get a Celsius near you right away. We love all the different flavors they have there. If you want to get it in bulk, go to Amazon, do the subscribe and save. Get the variety pack because variety is the spice of life, and you can have it sent to your house or apartment Every week, month, quarterly, whenever you want it, just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Look at all those flavors. Uh, Amazon is actually just, uh, they've got low quantities right now in some of these flavors because they're flying off the shelf. So just be patient and bear with Amazon. But yeah, that store locator, go get some locally and, and try some awesome flavors. Uh, Matt, let's dive in, shall we, with, with the offensive players that, that the Buccaneers met with in, in Indy and and also just kind of pairing up how some of those players did with regards to their on-the-field workouts. Uh, it was it was interesting, right, because I, I think we have a, a better idea now with finding out who the Buccaneers interviewed with. It's not always uh, a slam dunk or a home run that, that the team's going to draft a player that interviewed formally or informally with the team, but it's certainly – kind of groups things a little bit, right? For example, uh, let's start with with the most recent day, which was day four, looking at the offensive line. Uh, the Buccaneers had formal interviews with, with Oklahoma tackle Anton Harrison, who's regarded as maybe a first or second round pick. Uh, Paris Johnson might be the top offensive tackle in this year's draft. They had a formal with him. If it's not him, it's probably Georgia's offensive tackle, Broderick Jones. A formal interview was scheduled with him. Then you've got another guy that's probably a day two guy, uh, Darnell Wright from Tennessee. He's a right tackle, but also has experience at left tackle. So th those are you know a couple of, of offensive uh, tackles that were um, that are that are going to be drafted in the first two rounds. This is not really a great offensive line draft, Matt. There's there's a couple of guys, but there's not that one surefire franchise tackle. It wasn't like. It was in 2020, right, where Tristan Wirfs was the last of the four. Yeah. You know, the fantastic four tackles, and, and he was drafted number 12 by the Buccaneers, ended up being the best one. Yeah, and that still blows my mind. It really still yeah. does blow my mind. And obviously the Bucs are, are in a market right now for offensive tackle, given that they are going to be releasing Donovan Smith. Um, you mentioned a couple of the guys – Every single year, it feels like the Bucs go after an offensive lineman. Jason Light has been on the record that he is all about building 
through the trenches. And really, it's just a matter of are they going to draft an offensive tackle and decide to, you know, kick them inside like they've done before with some of their previous offensive mm-hmm. linemen. But you look at the landscape of the Bucks' offensive line, and you know you have Ryan Jensen coming back, and you right. know you have Shaq Mason at offensive guard. There's a lot of competition for the other guard spot at the moment. Um, yeah. Obviously, Luke Edeke is the big question mark in all of this. Will he play right tackle? Will he continue to stay at offensive guard? I don't necessarily know if you want to draft a guard, especially earlier, if they're just not going to play right away. So yeah. the, the Bucs have to make that decision. Tristan Wirfs, if he's going to go to left tackle, that's the other end of the equation right and then and, and, um, and it really kind of it kind of you know dovetails into you get a player like like say daryl Wright in the second round from tennessee he's going to be more of a right tackle he played one year at left but two years at right tackle so then if you draft him then you have him competing with gadecki for the right tackle spot and you are moving tristan works to left tackle right that's that's going to be the plan yeah. of action but if you come away with the draft and let's say it falls the right way and and Broderick Thomas is selected and you have Paris Johnson available at 19 and you take him. Now you've got a left tackle, right? You've got a first mm-hmm. round left tackle. Then you've got Tristan Wirth staying at right tackle. And then you're going to have Gadecki, who's a former second round pick battling Robert Hainsey, a former third round pick and Nick Leverett, uh, who started more, most of the games, the left guard, that's going to be your battle Royale left guard. Right. And, and so that's how it could shake out at the offensive line position. Two offensive guards that they did interview, uh, one of which was in the news, unfortunately, Andrew Voorhees from USC, a player I really liked. I, I put him in the second round in my Dave Canales ideal mock draft. He tore his ACL. It's reported that he's probably tore it. He suffered a, a serious injury during the testing yesterday, the on-field uh, testing. But he came back and benched 38 reps of 225. Very strong guy. <laughs> He would have been an ideal fit for this this West Coast kind of wide zone running scheme because that's what USC does a lot there. So those are the players that they had formal interviews with. I, I could see the Buccaneers drafting an offensive lineman. We're actually going to have our, our Pewter Report mock draft come out either tomorrow or Wednesday, kind of putting the finishing touches on it. And we've got a certain offensive lineman in this uh, class. But you know what? They interviewed – a lot of offensive linemen that could be day or two or day three picks as well, Matt. Yeah, they really did. And not only did they talk to the big guys on the offensive line, they talked to the big guys in the passing game as well with the uh, with the tight end position. They yeah. to seven tight ends uh, formally. They had seven formal interviews with um, tight ends, which was more than any position on offense, which was – yeah. Not crazy surprising to see, but when you think, oh, okay, well, they have Kate Otten and Cole Keith. They just drafted two offensive, uh, two tight ends last year. You're really going to bring in more? Well, yeah, because they're letting go of Cam Braden. That makes Kate Otten and Cole Keith the right. only tight ends on the roster at the moment. And we'll see how much they implement a two tight end um, attacking system on offense. But um, the Tight ends that they had a formal interview with was Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame, Tucker Kraft out of uh, South Dakota State, Sam Laporta from Iowa, Luke Musgrave from um, Oregon State, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Payne Durham from uh, Purdue, 
and Josh Wiley out of was it Cincinnati, I believe. Yeah. Yep, Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, out so of the, Cincinnati. The interesting thing here, though, is is this is such a deep tight end class, right? The Buccaneers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they could have the option, right, of, of saying drafting the third best offensive tackle at number 19, right, or maybe the third or fourth best cornerback at number 19, depending on who's picked ahead of them, right? Or you could get the number one tight end if, yeah. if it shakes out that way. It, I think it's Kincaid. I think he's better proved at the combine. He's more athletic than Michael Mayer is. Mayer might be number two. It might be Luke Musgrave or Sam Laporta. But between those guys, Matt, you're talking about they, they covered their bases. They, they had formal interviews with Todd Bowles, Jason Light, with Dalton Kincaid, with Michael Mayer, two guys that are probably destined for the first round. Then they came back on day two, and they had those interviews with Laporta. They had it with, uh, with Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. And, and then, and maybe even... Tucker Craft from South Dakota State. He's kind of a, a tweener, third round, fourth round kind of guy. Then they came back and they met with some of the day three guys. That's how deep this mm-hmm. is. They had formal interviews with day three guys. That tells you something. And those guys, as you mentioned, Payne Durham from Purdue, Josh Wiley from Cincinnati, maybe Tucker Craft as well. They also had a couple of interviews with uh, with some of, of the other uh, players, uh, Braden Willis from Oklahoma, uh, Alabama uh, tight end Cameron Latu. Uh, Leonard Taylor, the other tight end from Cincinnati. So there were there was quite a few informal interviews as well. It's just a a deep position at tight end this year. Very much, uh, well, I shouldn't say necessarily like last year, but the Buccaneers really got a steal in Kate Otten in the fourth round because I think Kate Otten, uh, he I mean, he was the first pick on day three, but he really yeah. I think carried a day two grade. And if um, they decide to go with Kincaid, who you just talked about, he's a huge fan of uh, of Kate Otten because they played against each other in the Pac-12. They played during the COVID year. And Kincaid, when speaking to him at the NFL Combine, he went out of his way to, like, really praise Kate Otten. He said, um, obviously, they had a lot of really good tight ends there, talking about the box that previously having Gronk and now Kate Otten. He said, I think very highly of Kate Otten who's there right now and was a rookie this past year. I think he's someone who's going to be really good in the coming years and just going to get better. Um, on playing in the Bucks offense with Kate Otten, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, everybody else, he said, it'd be a dream come true. I've watched those guys play for the last 10 years, got to play against Kate in 2020 during the COVID years. Any offense that wants to put two tight ends on the field, I'd love to be a part of. I feel like the tight end position's a fun position to play. You got a group of guys you want as many tight ends as you can get. Um, So, yeah, I mean, he would be really fun to watch. Mayer, I think, is, like, really the most complete guy um, as far as the tight end position goes in terms of being a runner – sorry, a route runner and um, a blocker. He's not the quickest guy, so that's obviously something that you have to take into consideration. And Notre Dame really force-fed him the football because they They didn't have a ton of talent around him. Um, Another guy, Payne Durham. Balled out at the senior bowl, especially that last day. I mean, you want to talk about red zone threats, and and Cambray was that guy. Wasn't really as much this year. Kate Otten, more of a second-half type of player. Payne Durham, I think, could really get it done in 21 uh, touchdowns, 21 in his career. I mean, that's that's an average of five touchdowns per year. That's a lot for a tight end, right? So, I mean, uh, right from the start, from his freshman year, this guy was, was a red zone weapon. 
And he's, I think, I think like a more athletic Cam Brate, right? Cam Brate had the nose for the, the end zone, just was a big time touchdown producer, whether it was with Jameis, whether it was with Brady. Um, it, it just, that, that's, that's who this guy is. He is, he is a more athletic, better athlete, faster version of Cam Brate. That's not a bad thing. Uh, and certainly we, we want to wish Cam Brate the best in his future endeavors. If it's not in Tampa, uh, well, when I say that, is is he going to retire or is he going to continue playing? We'll see. But Cam Brate was certainly good. So if you can get a player like Payne Durham in the third round and and he's a better version of Cam Brate, that, that would be a nice one-two punch there with Kate Odd and Coquipa as well. Um, but listen, there's other pass catchers to talk about, Matt. And the yep. Buccaneers interviewed a couple of those uh, guys that maybe are first-round picks. Interestingly enough, they did not interview Zay Flowers formally. They did informally. But they were looking at at some some guys that maybe were just a little bit of, of a different body type. Zay Flowers, a short guy, 5'9". They already have a couple of, of undersized wide receivers in Devin Tompkins and also in Kalen Geiger. But you cannot use the term undersized when you're talking about Quentin Johnson. This guy is a big yeah. wide receiver. Kind of in, you know, think – in the Mike Evans mold, uh, the the kid out of TCU, he he and Jordan Addison from USC, who played previously at Pittsburgh, were the two guys that are probably going to be first rounders that the Bucks interview. Matt. They got to go in a different direction at wide receiver, as you said. With you know, they had Scotty Miller, they had Jalen Darden. Scotty was great two or three seasons ago, and we love Scotty, but you know. It's now or never. It's it's what have you done for me lately? Yeah. They didn't get anything out of Scotty. They and they already have other small guys as well with Evan Tompkins. So they gotta go for the taller, larger type of guys. We'll see what happens with Russell Gage as well. Um, so yeah, Quentin Johnson, I think, would be a really exciting player, uh, much taller, uh, pretty quick as well. The um wild card's not the right word, but they also had a formal meeting with Jackson Smith in Jiba out of Ohio State. Um Got hurt last year, so he only played in yeah. three games. Uh, his comparison on Pro Football Focus, his comparison is to Julian Edelman, who obviously not mm-hmm. the tallest of guys. But, you know, they said that Jackson, you know, he graded out better a lot of the times than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave back yeah. in 2021 when he was getting a lot of that um, a lot of that shine with yeah. Ohio State. So not as much playing time last year with the hamstring injury. I think it was a hamstring injury, only limited to three games, but did have a formal meeting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They say that he's a guy that he'll build chemistry almost right away with mm-hmm. uh, whoever he's working with, which I think is super important for Kyle Trask. He's going to have to yeah. find his security blankets, at least early on. Will that be Kate Otten? You know Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are going to be involved, but if teams decide to double Mike, and right. I mean, that's why Dave Canales is in here, so he can mm-hmm. you know get Mike open and create separation for Chris Godwin. But he's going to have to find that other option, that security blanket, maybe a third down guy. I know Chris Godwin is him, but yeah. uh, it'd be interesting if the Bucks decide to roll the dice um, on Jackson. Yeah, and well, the you, other one you mentioned. Is, you, I was going to say you mentioned Kyle Trask, right? Yeah, one of those guys that certainly has some chemistry already with Cal Trask in this draft class is Justin Shorter from Florida. He's a big six foot four, 225 pound wide receiver. He had an informal interview with the Buccaneers, probably a late day three guy, I think seventh round, just didn't get a lot of, of opportunities to catch the ball last year with Anthony Richardson with the running that Richardson did at, at quarterback. Uh, then there's another big receiver 
uh, Louisiana's Michael Jefferson. He also yeah. got a formal. He's considered to be a day three guy as well. So four formal interviews that we were able to uncover. And Michael Jefferson, and again, another big receiver, 6'4", 200 pounds. Both of those guys, Shorter and Jefferson, could be day three options. I wouldn't be surprised, Matt, if if they wait until day three, like we talked about, and yeah. maybe at the running back position with um, you know with, with some wide receivers. Because you already have two, right? You already got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. It remains to be seen what, what Russell Gage's fate will be. I'll talk about that more in my Fab Five on Friday. So look for that. But it might be a situation where whatever wide receiver they draft, whether it's you know in the first round, then probably you're going to say goodbye to Russell Gage because you, you want your, your first-round pick to be on the field as that number three. But if their intentions are to keep Russell Gage, because you're only going to save about $2 million in cap space. So if they want to keep Gage, then maybe you draft a receiver much later because you're essentially drafting wide receiver number four on the depth chart. And that player will be competing with Devin Tompkins, who has got some allies in the building as well. So we'll have to see about that. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the running backs. We kind of mentioned a little bit, uh, you know, they, they surprisingly did not have a formal interview with B. John Robinson. And that probably hurt the feelings of a lot of mock drafters out there that, that have been maybe not keeping an eye on what we've been reporting in, in, on the Buccaneers. But these national people outside of Tampa Bay, they just look, oh, they're getting rid of Fournette. We're just going to put Bijan Robinson in there. But that's not the case, Matt. No, no, no. No, it's not. That kind of goes with what you're talking about at wide receiver. It pertains the same with running back. There are prospects that I like at both position. It's just when you look at all the other spots that they need to fill in yeah. other roles, it just doesn't make a lot of sense for the Bucs to pick those two particular positions on day one or Right. Really, even early in day two yeah. of um, of the NFL draft. And again, that's why we talked about before Jamal, the formal interview that the Bucs had. They also spoke to informally uh, Zach Evans out of uh, Ole Miss, Keaton Mitchell, uh, Kansas State's Deuce Vaughn, uh, Minnesota's Mohammed Ibrahim, uh, Appalachian State Camp Peoples, who I believe was at the Senior Bowl, uh, Kenny McIntosh, he was at the Senior Bowl, Tajay yeah. Spears, who Scott is in love with, uh, was also at the him. Senior Bowl. Roshan Johnson, another Texas running back, uh, Roshan Johnson, and uh, North Dakota State's Hunter uh, Lepke. Lepke, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, Spears it's, obviously it's, is a guy that's really interesting. McIntosh yeah. was okay at your ball, especially yeah, I think after he's he just came a guy. back. After, yeah. He's just a guy. Now, Jamar, Jamar Gibbs is interesting because started at Georgia, transferred to Alabama, uh, there he is doing a number on my Kansas State Wildcats. The guy's a good player, and uh, and he he clocked a, a sub four forty. I think it was four three six. So one of the fastest backs there. The Buccaneers do want some speed. So right, Matt, if if they're going to make an exception, uh, again they're not going to draft a running back in the first round. But if for some reason Gibbs is there in the second round, you know they're not opposed to maybe adding a guy like this that really has. The total package. He's got the speed to go the distance. He can break tackles. He's he's uh, not the biggest back in the world, but but he does have some some bash and smash ability. He didn't catch the ball really well out of the backfield. So I think if they're going to go running back early, you're looking at him right there, maybe Jamar Gibbs. But it was interesting because a couple of, of the late day three guys, and I'm a big fan of Mohamed Ibrahim from Minnesota because he didn't run at the combine, which typically if you don't run at the combine, that means 
you might not be one of the fastest guys, right? There's a couple of running backs that, that didn't run at the combine that might be more quick than fast uh, or might have better tackle breaking ability rather than being elusive. But when you talk about speed, this guy right here, Keaton Mitchell from East Carolina, he had an amazing college career uh, catching the ball out of the backfield and, and also running. He ran a, a 4-3-5, 4-3-6. It was right around Gibbs in terms of what he was able to run. And this guy is, is just hell on wheels. He uh, is also one of the best guys at breaking long runs. He's got the make-you-miss ability. He's got the one-step shimmy. And didn't play at the biggest conference, right? But it, it is Carolina. But the production was certainly there. He ran for 1,132 yards in 2021 and nine touchdowns. Last year, he had uh, he ran for 1,452 yards and 14 touchdowns. That's a 7.2-yard average in addition to catching 27 passes for 252 yards. This guy's like lightning in a bottle. And you have to wonder, Matt, with a player like uh, Keaton Mitchell, if they're going to really bring some more speed to the table, right? That's one thing Todd Bowles wants to do, and Jason Light has said it as well. They want to get faster. You've got a couple guys that are bigger backs. We talked exclusively to Rashad White. He's going to get up to he's up up to 220 pounds. He might flirt with 225. So he's going to be a bigger back this year that can break some tackles. Already had an angry run against mm-hmm. the Seahawks. Keyshawn Vaughn is more of that kind of uh, smash and bash type guy as well. He's he's more of a physical back, more of a quick back than he is a speed back. So if you're looking for a change of pace, maybe it's somebody late on day three like a Keaton Mitchell, who's you know five uh, eight, 183 pounds, 179 pounds in that range, or maybe it's a guy like and I'm not necessarily endorsing him just because he went to Kansas State, but both Mitchell and Deuce Vaughn from Kansas state met with skip Pete, the running backs coach. So that says a little something there. And, and the thing about Deuce Vaughn, and I've watched every game of his, this guy's ripping <laughs> off an 88 yard touchdown run against number, uh, you know, against a, a top five team in Alabama right there. So um, he will be a speed back, excellent hands out of the backfield. Think Darren Sproles, another Kansas State legend, and that's kind of the the guy right there. Very short guy, five foot five. He's incredibly hard to to tackle because he's hard to see. You can't see him behind the offensive line. Then he squirts free, almost like Barry Sanders, but not certainly in in the same talent level as Sanders. But those are some undersized guys at you know five eight with Mitchell and five five with with Vaughn. Both excellent receivers and probably return some kicks and punts. And it might be a, kind of a different back than than uh, Rashad White and and uh, Keyshawn Vaughn. Yeah, Rashad Rashad is interesting because he's not like the fastest guy. He's quick and he can break big plays. Don't get me wrong. Right. And he's not the most physical guy either, but obviously is willing to do it as he saw with the angry run. So if the Bucks wanted to bring in a little bit more of a bruiser outside of Keyshawn Vaughn, I would yeah. understand that, and it would make sense. If the Bucs also want to go get a speedster, a guy that can break the 80 to 85-yard play, right? Um, you can totally see the Tampa Bay Buccaneers doing that as well. I would prefer if they went for the speedster because I think the Bucs need the big plays. Yeah. They need the splash plays, and with Dave uh, – I've been saying Dave Canales a lot, but I truly do mean it, mm-hmm. that he's going to change – 
everything with this Bucks offense. I do. And, and you know what? I, I think we're going to see some effective screen passes, Matt. I mean, they yes. were not effective. Not stupid bubble screens. To right. I would say, hey, Chris, break 15 tackles with seven defenders around you. It's just yep. impossible. There, When there's going to be a screen, it's going to be deliberate and there's going to be purpose to it. Not yep. just, well, we don't want to run the ball because we stink at it. So we'll do this fake type of run play. That's a screen. Right. Exactly. So uh, that's that. Oh, wait, we haven't talked about quarterbacks, Matt, have we? No, we haven't. The, <laughs> that's the uh, position the everybody golden, wants. To... The golden position that everyone yeah, wants. Yeah, we're to saving the best for last. We didn't get we didn't forget quarterbacks, folks. Uh, but one thing is, is clear from the combine and, and hearing him speak and, and also hearing what other teams, not just the media, but teams thought of, of Anthony Richardson. This guy's not going to be there at number 19. There's it too much potential. Like too much athleticism there. Is he going to be the next Cam Newton? Is he going to be the next Lamar Jackson? Right. Cam Newton was drafted number one overall. I think Lamar was drafted 32nd overall in, in the years that, that they came out respectively. But one thing is sure, whether it's number one or maybe number 10, it's going to be hard, I think, for, for three teams to really pass up Anthony Richardson. And I'm going to say these teams – uh, you know, after the top five, because you're going to have a couple quarterbacks go there. I think Richardson might be the second or third quarterback that goes. But Matt, number seven, Las Vegas, they desperately need a quarterback. If they don't move up to get either C.J. Stroud or, or Bryce Young, they might have to settle for that number three guy. And it could be Richardson if that's the case, unless Richardson goes early. But gosh, if for some reason they he goes with, say, Will Levis over Anthony Richardson, then you look at two NFC South teams, the the Falcons and the Panthers. Anthony Richardson is tailor-made for Arthur Smith's offense, right? I mean, he had Marcus yes. Mariota as the starting quarterback. Then he had Desmond Ritter come in. They like Ritter, but trust me, he is a third-round pick for a reason. He could be the placeholder until Richardson's ready. Then when, when AR takes over as the starter, then you either have a, a really good backup in Ritter or you could trade him and get that third-round pick that you had for Ritter mm-hmm. back, right, in, in that instance. So there is a scenario there. He could go to Atlanta. And keep in mind, right, what did Arthur Blank have in Atlanta before? Michael Vick. And he totally revolutionized the quarterback position from being a running-type quarterback and revitalized the Falcons, brought that, that team into prominence. Then you've got Carolina. Right, if they don't make a move to get up to get a quarterback, mm-hmm. man, the Panthers could use him. And and uh, you you look at him and you think uh, maybe a poor man's version of of Cam Newton. And we all know what Cam Newton meant to Carolina. So I just don't see there's any way that Anthony Richardson gets out of the top ten. And I don't see the Buccaneers wanting or having the ammunition to trade up to get him. Uh, so he's one of of the the quarterbacks that they interviewed formally. And what about the other guy, Matt? The other one was Will Levis. And real quick, I just want to say about Anthony Richardson. If he goes to the Raiders, doesn't scare me. If he goes right. to the Panthers, you have my interest. If he goes to the Falcons, I think there really could be something there. I'm not very yeah. high on Anthony Richardson specifically as a passer, but if you put him in that, you know, the the Falcons type of offense, the uh like the Eagles type of offense or the 49ers type of offense, I think Richardson can do some damage. But anyway, yeah. uh Will Levis, the other quarterback there were one of the other quarterbacks that had a formal interview with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
he sounded extremely confident when he was up there, like talking calm, cool, casual. He was like, yeah, I have a cannon for an arm. So what? Big deal. <laughs> you know, right. um, they asked him why he's doing every single drill. Why is he passing uh, at the NFL combine this year when sometimes quarterbacks don't really like to do that. They only like to perform at uh, their college pro day. I felt he, he looked like, how a quarterback should be when you think of the ideal quarterback, just the overall confidence, um, a little bit of cockiness to him, but I don't yep. think crossing the line at all. Right. I thought he really came off pretty well. Um, you know, playing at Kentucky didn't have all of the weapons around him. The offensive line kind of uh, imploded on him right. at times. He used to play at Penn state as well. So he, he's traveled around a little bit. He gave a shout out to Chris Godwin for being a Penn state guy. So, you know, uh, who wouldn't want to play in the Bucs yeah. offense with Mike Evans and Chris Goblin? But uh, Levis, I don't really know if he gets there either. Because, again, if you're quarterback yeah. needy, teams will get desperate and they will trade up or they will take a guy just because they need a quarterback and not even because they believe in the quarterback that they're picking, but they just say, we need a quarterback, and you go and take one. So yeah. Levis, I think, in the right fit, um, can do something. I, I I would be interested in him with the Bucs. I just – I. I'm not really seeing him drop to 19. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think the Buccaneers are going to draft a quarterback in the first round. And the the guy that you know maybe comes to mind next is Hendon Hooker from Tennessee. I think he's probably a second-round guy. He got some good news at the Combine medically. He's on pace, Matt, to return to the field, but it won't be till the start of the season. That's, that's September. That's mid-September. So I just wonder if, if Todd Bowles – wanting and and needing to kind of win now if he wants to to roll the dice on a, a quarterback coming in that that is going to miss all of the OTAs that's going to miss all of training camp essentially and you know and and then is is going to have uh, it, he's going to be so behind the eight ball is he really going to be able to compete with Kyle Trask this year I don't think that's the play if if anything the buccaneers are going to draft a quarterback I think it's going to be on day three. Uh, one of the names that I'm kind of warming up to is Purdue's uh, Aiden O'Connell, probably mm -hmm. a fourth round, fifth round kind of guy. There's Houston's Clayton Toon, who also had an informal interview with the Buccaneers along with O'Connell. Tanner McKee, I'm not a big fan of from Stanford. Jaron Hall from BYU, again, not a, not a huge fan. Malik Cunningham from Louisville, uh, Miss Fresno State's Jack Hainer and the, or Jake Hainer, and then TCU's Max Duggan is not a good quarterback here, Matt. It just isn't. I wouldn't be shocked if this team doesn't draft a quarterback this year and gives it to Kyle Trask and, and the veteran that they're going to sign and come in. I'm thinking Jacoby Brissett. I could be wrong, but that's who I would probably have to, to guess right now. And then reassessing the quarterback situation next year when mm -hmm. it looks like it might be a better year for quarterbacks. And at least you'll know more about Kyle Trask. How funny right. would it be if they drafted Hendon Hooker in the second round and everyone, and then Kyle Trask pans out and it's like, right. who wasted a second round pick drafting <laughs> Hendon yes. Hooker? And it's like, wasn't that what you were saying about Kyle Trask in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. If Hooker yeah. were to drop into the third round or the fourth round, then I would strongly consider it. But then again, you're kind of drafting him as an insurance policy. If, um, if Kyle Trask turns out to not be the quarterback, um, when he starts or if he starts for the Buccaneers uh, this season. Dove yeah. Kleinman actually just tweeted out not too long ago. He said, retired NFL quarterback Phillip Rivers has expressed desire to return to the NFL. You already contacted the 49ers and Dolphins about coming out of retirement 
late in the 2022 season, according to Rich Eisen. You could throw another name into the yeah. uh, the quarterback situation. But again, the Bucs aren't the only team looking for a quarterback. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, all those names that we mentioned, if you happen to miss our coverage, shame on you because we had some good coverage <laughs> over in Indianapolis. But we do have our combine tracker, and I just threw that in the chat there. So you can take a look at that, see who the Bucs had formal and inter informal interviews with. Now, some of those guys, just to be clear, we did not necessarily – have a chance to interview to find out if they have interviewed formally or informally with the Buccaneers. One of those guys was Steve Avila from TCU, the the guard, probably probably now the number one, number two guard off the board with Voorhees's injury. And uh, so some of these guys, Dewan Jones, the offensive tackle from Ohio State, a couple other players too, the Buccaneers might be interested in, did not make it to the media interviews because they were held up in medical. Doesn't mean that they had medical issues that caused them to be uh, held up. It might've been the guy in front of them that caused a little bit mm -hmm. of a log jam. So there were, there were a handful of prospects that we never got a chance to talk to, to make it to the podium. And Avila is one of those guys, uh, same with Dewan Jones. I, who are some other guys that, that come off the top of your head? If you can remember, it's, it was a busy four days in Indianapolis for us, Matt. Yeah. Uh, for the offensive line who didn't come out. I'm just saying overall, because that happened at a couple of other positions. I think they, they had some players that, didn't make it up to the podium. Yeah, there there were a couple of guys I know at um maybe some defensive like the guys. Yeah, defensive back and and cornerback I think were a couple yeah. of positions that we we didn't get to see everybody that we really right. thought. And we know corner we know defensive back is very important for the Bucks this season. It is. With only yeah. Antoine Winfield Jr. at safety and yeah. only Carlton Davis and Zion McCollum at um you know at cornerback and we're going to talk a ton about the defensive targets for the Bucks that we uh, spoke to and got insight on at the NFL Combine. That's coming up on tomorrow's show. Yeah, there's Brian Tuesday. Branch right there. Yeah, uh, recent mock draft. We had our mock draft roundup come out today, and okay. uh, one of those mock drafts did have Brian Branch going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he spoke yeah. about what it'd be like going to the Bucs as well, which you can check out on our social media, on our Twitter and Instagram, which please follow us at Pewter Report on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And if you like our YouTube channel, please like and subscribe. It's Pewter Report TV. Uh, we had a lot of NFL draft combine uh, clips and videos. We have uh, podcast clips, a little shorter versions that talk about specific topics that Bucks fans want to um, get into. We'll have more draft coverage, more things from the combine that we think you guys will be interested in. And, um, you know, this is this is a fun year. Free agency is. is right around the corner. The NFL draft is coming up. At we the got end Bucks of battle plans coming out this Bucks week too, man. Battle plans are in the mix. They will be coming out. We'll see what you agree with, what you disagree with. Um, difference of opinions throughout everybody at PewterReport.com. But that's yeah. the fun of it: is you you turn into the GM and you get that's to make right. those decisions. So, yeah. Well, I just wanted to again wish Matt Matera a happy birthday. It's a it's a special one. It's the big three zero. Yeah, I remember right. that way back in the day. So <laughs> I hope that you have a great birthday, Matt. Thanks for doing the show for us uh, today and, and getting the birthday love, was, which was fun. Also, Roll Call was also awesome. We saw some people from not just around the Tampa Bay area, around the country, also around the world. So thank you, Pewter people, for making this uh, the best Pewter Report podcast we've ever done. And we're going to try to beat it tomorrow. We talk about those defensive prospects, the guys who really stood out for the Buccaneers 
and other NFL teams in the Combine as we wrap up our Combine coverage. Then we're going to get into our battle plans and mock draft later this week. So it's going to be a very fun week. Make sure you Mm -hmm. stay tuned to the Peter Report podcast here. We're going to be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock. For the birthday boy, Matt Matera, I am Scott Reynolds saying we'll see you tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Happy birthday, Matt Matera.